Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I went to a management seminar and the lady called Rose, who was with Q Music, came out and she said, there's three things you, you need to be successful in the music industry. And I remember thinking, I've got the pen and paper out there. And I was like, okay, write these three things down. She said, persistence, persistence, persistence. I've never forgotten it. And I went, okay. So, and that's what it was. That's what I stuck to for my whole career is persistence, persistence, persistence. Don't give up, keep going. You will be told that, you know, no, that's not good enough. You're not good enough. And this isn't going to work. We don't want to know about you. People won't get back to you. You've just got to keep going. Welcome to Men's Health Australia's Strength Sessions podcast, a forum in which we talk to men from all walks of life who found the strength within, stomp on adversity and achieve their goals. Whether you're looking for an edge in the gym, at work, on the sporting field, or just want to level up across the board, the men featured here can help unlock your potential. I'm Editor-in-Chief Ben Jody. Australian music icon Pete Murray is celebrating 20 years in the recording industry this month. Murray's made his name writing songs that endure, and that's the same approach he takes to his body. The 53-year-old appears on this month's cover of Men's Health after recently completing a gruelling 12-week transformation program with trainers Chief Brabham and Emily Brabham-Hames. In today's episode, hosted by Men's Health Deputy Editor Dan Williams, Murray reveals how he plans to stick around not only as a giant of Australian music, but as a devoted family man with a new lease on life. G'day, Pete. How are you? Oh, really well, mate. Great, great to talk to you. I think next year marks your 20 years in the industry, certainly since the release of your first uh, major label album, Feeler. I imagine you've had a hell of a ride. If, if I asked you to reflect on a period within that 20 years that was the best, where you were thinking, this is incredible, what comes to mind? Hard question because it's hard to answer because it's been it's a long time and lots of great moments in, in that period. Um, I think you know probably have to go back to the start because you only experience that once when it all happens when it all kicks off. Yeah, and I think and I keep every time I get asked this question, I talk about one gig and it's called Bar, Bar Broadway in Sydney, holds about four hundred people I think. Yeah, and I remember um, that's when I first thought, wow, this is actually this might work. Um, I remember things that had um, happened pretty rapidly. It was pretty, pretty quick, the way things were going. A feeler had come out and, you know, we had, um, had Triple J and, and had crossed over to commercial in that one song. Everyone, everyone wanted it. I even remember the guys from Sony saying, we've never had an artist where we're getting calls from the radio stations asking for the song. So, you know, there's always a lot of work going into that where they can, you know, try and get the um, the artist on there. Yeah. Um, I remember turning up for this gig and there was a, doing soundtrack in the afternoon, we went back to the hotel, we came back, you know, ready for the gig and next, there was a massive lineup all the way around this hotel and right down the street 
And I remember being a bit peeved about it, thinking, oh, someone else is playing close by and everyone's going to be going to see them play and, like, we're going to get no one there. And I was, like, just disappointed, thinking, oh, that's that's a shame. Uh, anyway, as I went inside, it was the, the lineup was for me. And um, I remember being blown away by that, for starters, and, and then going into play, and I remember saying to the band, look, I'll, I'm just going to go and play um, maybe a couple of acoustic songs first and just sort of test the waters, see what's happening, because the crowd was pretty rowdy. Um, a lot of excitement back in that 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 time, and uh, I remember playing Ten Foot Tall, which is the last song of Feeler. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't think anyone would really know it, because it you know it hadn't been a, obviously it wasn't a single. I remember coming out hearing the first chords of the song and singing the first couple of lyrics, and everyone sang like word for word, just yeah. four hundred people singing. I remember going wow, and then the the band right at the back sort of looking through the curtain going. What is going on? You know, yeah. we're all just kind of in, in amazement of what was happening. And um, that was the whole night was just like singing along every single song. And then especially when we hit the, the you know, the bigger songs, it was just the first experience of, of what was to come with that one. And, and turning away, you know, thousands of people outside um, was something that just kept happening on, on for that next few years. It was just turning people away from shows, selling out shows the whole time. And I think we kind of, you know, um, my manager now, who was and still is my agent, but he was my agent back then, Dylan Liddy, and he was kind of we, we started together, so we were both fairly green yeah, when we first started, and I think we were all t- together just going, you know, like, what is happening, <laughs> and um, yeah, and we we both jumped in the deep end and had to learn how to swim, you know, and he was kind of um, getting his chops together with the booking shows and things like that, and he was just like, mate, we've got to add more shows, we've got to add more shows, we've got to add more shows, and we just kept adding you know, show after show. And it got to the point where I started, I lost my voice because we were just doing too many shows. And um, so then we had a break and came back on the next tour and did, did larger shows and less, or less, you know, amount of shows. But probably that time, I think, you know, when you first experience that, you don't experience it again. It's the first time that you, you feel that success coming. And when it hits you like that, it's a, something that you never forget. It, it's been said that every successful musician, musician goes through four phases. Um, and that is the struggle, <laughs> the, yep. the stratospheric rise, which you've yep. just kind of touched on there, yep. uh, the crash, <laughs> and then the renaissance. Was there a struggle before the period you just talked about? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I got into music quite late. I was 22 when I first picked up a guitar. I started to sort of muck around on it, and then I was, kind of fell into songwriting somehow. I remember being overseas, and I was um, – there was actually – Angus McDonald from Sneaky Sound System, we were mates and we were traveling overseas together. And we were just one night, he, we had a group of people that we we're living with, 19 Aussies in a two bedroom flat, a few people. <laughs> and so he had, he was sort of had the guitar out playing some original songs and I was just playing some covers. And uh, one of the girls said to me there, Why don't you play us one of your songs? And I said, oh, I, don't, I don't write songs. And she said, Why not? I'm like, I don't know. And she said, Well, you should. <laughs> so I was like, Okay. That's how I started, yeah. just with a suggestion from someone. You're making that comment, so I started to actually have a, have a crack at it after that. But um, you know, which was amazing when you look back at it. That's kind of how things worked, you know. But the struggle, I think, from there, um, you know, trying to do your own your own music and trying to make it happen, that's not an easy thing to do. No one really cares about you. They've got to try and no one wants to know anything about you. So it's really difficult. There's a lot of people are saying no to you the whole time, and that's all that's true, you know. And I remember doing a um, with Q Music. They had a, and I was managing a band at first because I, I thought I'd actually be a manager. So I kind of, inter- I was interested in that. 
um, until I found out how much work there was, and, you know, <laughs> so I didn't want to do that anymore. But I went to a, a management um, seminar and um, the lady called Rose, who was with um, Q Music, came out and she said, there's three things you, you need to be successful in the music industry. And I remember thinking, I've got the pen and paper out there. And I was like, okay, write these three things down. And she said, persistence, persistence, persistence. I've never forgotten it. And I went, okay, yeah. right. So, and that's what it was. And that's what I stuck to. So that's what I stuck to for my whole career is persistence, persistence, persistence. Don't give up. Keep going. You will be told that, you know, no, that's not good enough. You're not good enough. And this isn't going to work. We don't want to know about you. People won't get back to you. Took forever trying to get um, gigs when I first moved to Melbourne to try and get anywhere, you know, like Brisbane when I first started and then Melbourne trying to get known on the independent scene there. You've just got to keep going. So, yeah, that was a struggle. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, I was 30 then when I did my first independent album. So I was kind of old uh, compared to a lot of other people that start the music business. But I think that was kind of made my story a little bit more interesting too because of my age and, yeah. um, you know, having the success and probably not giving up and keeping going, giving probably a bit of um, confidence for other people who are in their 30s to, to not give up and have a go. You know, you, I don't, I've never sort of put age um, as a as a – a problem for me like you know it doesn't matter how old you are if you're writing good songs and you know you then you or whatever you do you know if you're good at it then you can you'll have success yeah so but yeah definitely tricky times i sort of start get back into um i thought i'd go back in and finish up my studies in natural medicine because i thought oh, this is not going to work so yeah a lot of stress uh, around that time a lot of my mates were having kids and had good jobs and earning money and i had nothing at that stage so yeah. that was the that was the struggle the struggle I, I think you're right when you say um, or when you imply that you came to the public with a bit of maturity behind you. And I, and I, I think that was reflected in the lyrics. There was nothing ever yeah. inane or, uh, you know, vapid, if you like, about the subject matter or the, the quality of the lyrics. Um, that made you quite a package because it's one thing to have a, a good singing voice, which I think you might have discovered before you also realised that you could write lyrics that resonated with, uh, with people. Is that the order, Pete? Um, singing voice and then a realisation you could write to? Yeah, definitely the lyrics um, connected with people. And I've always tried to do that. I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of throwaway lyrics. You know, yeah. like I kind of like something. It's got to mean something to someone. Then people will have a connection to it. And if you can write something that's interesting in a way that's, you know, um, uh, we'll, we'll connect with people and it just it resonates with them and stays with them forever, you know, and it takes them back to a certain time when they hear that song again. So, but yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people, I remember having, um, getting emails from people in the early days going, how, how do you know so much about relationships? And I'm going, well, I'm just kind of looking at it and sometimes it's easier for me to put myself in someone else's shoes and write about a, um, a relationship or a situation someone might be in. Yeah. Um, rather than myself, you know, when you're writing for yourself, you kind of get. Um, I've got a march fly in the car here, guys. Coming for the interview, get out of here. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, definitely. I put a lot of time into lyrics, and, and I want them to to um, connect with people. You know, I've had a lot of people over time. Um, the songs that really inspire people, like Opportunity and, and Better Days, to to keep, um, you know, going through hard times. The Better Days, for example, going through hard times to get what you want, or Opportunity, you know, get out of a situation that you that you're not happy in, and live your life be happy don't have regrets so that's been very inspirational songs um you know that, that inspire people i kind of like to do that with with the with the music that have people kind of um not every song of course but songs like that that do 
um, can change people's way of thinking in a lot more positive than rather than negative. Yeah, absolutely. That um, that said, um, are you also are you also aware of a, a tendency for for a lot of people to overanalyze lyrics? Um, do you and do you, do you buy into that? Are you happy to explain exactly what your your meaning is in your songs? Yeah, I mean, look, I kind of like things to be not so obvious, but sometimes you write songs that are obvious and people work it out straight away. But sometimes there's other songs. Um, Maybe I'll use So Beautiful as an example. People do oh, think that's do. written about, yeah. a, about a female. It's not. It's actually written about a group of uh, pretentious people that I bumped into that night and that whole song was written about them or they, how I felt and how I would feel being with someone like that. So, um, and it's, I think a lot of people thought that was a, well, people were playing that at their weddings for a long time. <laughs> so, you know, they weren't really connected to the lyrics and what that was about. Yeah. Uh, I think in 2000. Oh, that was written up in the paper. Um, someone, I don't know what, what paper it was, but someone said, this is the best fuck you song of 2004. And I thought, that's a, that's a credit for that song. You know? So yeah. um, because it is, it's written in a really beautiful way, but it's actually quite, um, you know, having a, having a go at someone. Absolutely. Um, I had, and I met, you have funny experiences with, with people that you meet. I met this girl one time in um, Newcastle and she, very early days, and she said, um, this is how I heard about your music. My my boyfriend at the time um, bought your album for me, Feeler, and said, um, I want you to listen to track three. This is what I think of you, which is so beautiful. This is what I think of you. And by the way, you dropped. And so she's like, wow, you know, like what's this song about? So she listened. That's her introduction to that song. So, wow. um, yeah. you know, it, it, was a, it was a pretty interesting time when, when you, you know, people were really, they really were connected to that song. It was a, it was a big song. But for you, uh, but sorry, the you in So Beautiful is, is actually they. You, you were talking about Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. okay. You know, Pete, uh, shortly after we come out, um, Rod Stewart's going to play uh, at Kudos Bank in Sydney and, and around the country um, at 77. Yep. Um, I, feel like, I feel like musicians can go longer these days, you know, and I'm just wondering what, what your plans are. Just looking at you now, I think, I think you're 53 you, you could you know you could still pass for a man a fit man in his 30s and we'll talk about the fitness but um are you going anywhere soon um well look we're talking about fitness and and well um and work and we had a chat with my wife the other day because i had some friends talking about retirement i'm thinking retirement what's what's that i want to do i'm going to keep playing music till you know i'll drop dead on the stage that's kind of my goal yeah, <laughs> um yeah as long as i'm old you know i don't want to drop dead when i'm young but um I look after myself. My dad had a heart attack at 47, yeah. um, which took his life. And that was a real shock for me. I was 18. So I've always looked after myself. Um, I had my heart checked uh, a couple of years ago and it's perfect. It's fine. There's yeah. probably very little chance of me having a heart attack. So we eat well. We eat organic food here. So, you know, this is in Byron Bay. Yeah. Byron's a really healthy place. Um, yes. And I think just eating what yes. you eat is the, the, the best way to, you know, keeping fit and healthy uh, really makes a difference and no fast foods. I've had very little of that. I don't drink a lot. So, you know, we're healthy uh, and I, and I train, I keep fit. So, um, but yes, yeah, as far as music goes, I want to be, I see myself being an old guy on stage, you know, I'm an old guy on stage now. So, you know, I'm just going to be an older guy on stage yeah. down the track, um, enjoying music. I love playing with the band. I love playing live music and that's the thing that excites me. 
um, I don't understand people that play with a lot of track. I understand it sounds great up front, but it takes the live feeling away from me. So when I play, I play with the band and I don't have track on there and it's just so much more fun because you can take music to wherever you want to on stage. But when as soon as it's track, it becomes a lot like the recorded version of songs. So yeah, for me, that's my goal is to, I guess, like a, you see those old blues guys that, you know, I think I saw B.B. King and he had to sit down at his gig. Um and I was thinking, wow, he, d- he died not long after that. But I remember seeing him play and going, wow, how's this guy? He's just still going, sitting down, playing and playing with his band and they're just ripping it up on stage. And for me, I remember seeing that going, that's, that's what I want to be doing, you know. And, and um, hopefully there'll you know, be a fan base there that will still come and see me um, back in the day. And noticing now too, the, there's kids who are 20, around a 20-year-old, they're coming to the shows now and, Probably from their parents or older siblings that they're getting into the music as well. So, and they're singing, belting out the lyrics. So, you know, there's a, I guess I kind of think that good music will be around for a long time if it's, um, if it's classic kind of sound and, and the lyrics are good and, you know, people will always connect to it. It doesn't matter, you know, what age they are. Yeah. The, the, the tour next year, um, could, could you give a little sneak preview um, what, what they can expect uh, and what you're most looking forward to? Yeah, um, it's, I'm basically doing two shows in the one night. So I'm doing an acoustic performance first, probably 45 minutes or whatever I feel I'm going to do. Um, won't be any less than that, uh, which will be just myself and acoustic guitar. And I'll probably have some of my band come up and sing three, four-part harmonies with me uh, on those songs, which is just so lush and nice, you know. So yep. people get that experience of just, you know, the songs as they were written. I'll probably have, you know, chat about some of the songs and how I wrote them and different things like that. So it's a bit kind of like very intimate start and then we'll have a break and come back and I'll come back with the band and then um, just let things loose with the band. It, it, sounds, it sounds superb. Um, we, we touched earlier on the four stages. Did you have a crash? Have you ever experienced something like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've definitely have um probably not to the level that other people have but i think my fan base has been pretty pretty solid the whole way through but you know if you're looking at say to talk about probably radio you know like there was a point there where the first two albums had so much airplay you know i think i got the point where probably people got a bit sick of me because it was just it was was so much airplay on the songs and i remember writing the um, Summer Eureka, which is the third album. I remember writing songs. I didn't really want to get commercial uh, airplay, and yeah. I didn't get much from it. Yeah, and it was something that it was kind of nice to get away from that a little bit. But I did notice back in that days, back in those days, when there's no streaming, that was your source of connection to the public. As soon as that drops off, there was nothing else to really connect to. So I did notice then that things are kind of still really big touring wise. Were still really big. We did that album, and I think after that was Blue Sky Blue. I took a bit of a break. Yeah. After Summit Eureka, um, Summit Eureka was done 2008. I think it was like four, four years. I did Blue Sky Blue, but I had a, a marriage breakup, and I took about I took about six years off around that time, um, doing just a few live shows, but nothing, no new music. Yeah. And I think during that period, I remember just coming back after that, and we did the Camacho album 2017. I remember coming back still having a strong audience, but things had dropped down a little bit. And it was, you know, we weren't getting any airplay. Radio wasn't interested in me. I think that, you know, everything was just all programmed music. Um, uh, I think there was no, I remember coming back in at that time and 
um, 2012, I'm trying to get it right, 2012, and I think my manager, John Watson, then said, there's no real drums in the top 50. And, and I remember thinking, wow, that's like things have changed. Um, and I think just having been away for a little while took its toll a bit and things dropped down a little bit. I remember um, we still got some songs on radio and it's still going pretty well. So it's been it's been pretty good, but it's been maintaining things from there has been a, um, more of an effort and trying to sort of stay up in um, being relevant with, with um, some more modern recordings where I'll, in the past I'd just jump in the studio with a band and you record the band. Yeah. Now we're adding different production elements into the music um different sounds that kind of keeps it with a little bit of more of a modern modern sound without without losing what i do of course and um you know i think that's feels to me like on the live front things are really coming back now especially um like i said the there's a younger crowd that's coming through now so things starting to pick up so you definitely have this bit of a you know wave when you're in your career and um you know i've heard about that before you can't be up top the whole time it's a pretty challenging thing to do um and everyone experiences that, you know. It's, I guess it's how you handle the, the period where you feel like everything's falling apart and, you, and you're not going to ever come back. Uh, how you handle that and what you come back with is the important thing. That long period you mentioned, uh, the best part of six years where you, well, you hadn't vanished, but you were you were relatively quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, could could one shoot that all home to the, the devastation around a marriage breakup or, or was it more complicated than that? Yeah, I, I just, I wanted to spend more time with my boys because that was a really important yeah. time for them. You know, that was something that they sort of struggled through. And so family always comes first for me. And um, yeah, that period was just really hanging out with them, spending more time with them, making sure they were okay, doing touring, doing what I needed to do, um, but not really doing anything, any new music. Yeah. I just wasn't really at the point of, I didn't care really about anything, any new music at that stage. I was yeah. happy just, the way things were going and yeah, I just didn't, I just wasn't in a rush. And yeah. So once I got back into it again, I was like, okay. Um, I think even trying to songwrite was pretty difficult just because I was giving so much time to the boys. So there was a very little time to try and um, write my own songs anyway. So, um, but yeah, once I got back into it, kind of got back into the flow again. And I remember coming back on the Camacho album and that was um, once again, just a, um, different time coming back with something new and but like i said i've been i'm very lucky because my fan base is very strong i think you know over the years yeah um and i find after every album you everything that new that comes out people don't know it so well straight away um it takes a bit of time but then the next tour you do it they're singing the new stuff you know so it it doesn't take too long these days it's a bit different streaming um the music's up there straight away and people get it straight away rather than having to go and buy you know a cd and then then get used to it and play it but it's it's there for everyone to get straight away these days. So, yes. um, yeah. But I feel like it's it's a. I mean, look, you know, I'm for me. I've always worked on building a career, not just a hit songs and you know here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Now another truism I've seen is that for musical longevity, produce art, not entertainment. Yeah. Uh, in other words, something with some substance behind it. No, I, I, I think you. would I think you'd say that you tried to do that, you know? Absolutely. Well, look, the Camacho album was the, that was like the best reviews I'd had since Feeler. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fans saying this is my favourite album. I never thought that I would say um, I had, uh, you know, I liked an album more than Feeler, but I had a lot of people saying that. Then we did the, the last two EPs. Um, 
the night and before I go, uh, which is basically an album the night before I go now. Yes. Um, now it's having a lot of people listen to that stuff going, this is the best stuff I've heard. So a lot of fans saying that. So it's definitely, for me, that means you're going forward, you know. Um, and, you know, once again, we don't have that instant, I'm not the new guy on the block anymore. So you're not going to have this wow factor and everyone's going, oh, who's this? You know, it's kind of, I'm a, I've been around. So now for me, and I'm not just trying to do things for my fans. It's what I've never tried to do at all. I try to do things for me. I write songs that what I like. If people want to follow me or choose to follow me or like that, then that's up to them. The biggest mistake you can make as an artist too is trying to keep your fans happy. Yeah. So I think for me, I just do what I like to do and and um, that's really what it's about. It's kind of nice yeah. to have um, the streaming world available now because you don't feel the pressure to have a song on commercial radio so it's kind of nice you've got anything you can put anything out there these days and it's going to find a home yeah and i think that's the beauty of music it's just really um it's changed the format's changed and you know do anything now and and you can get on a playlist and you just don't know where you're gonna end up you might be big in poland or iceland who knows you know you don't know um and when you write for yourself um principally rather than trying to please, uh, inevitably what people are going to hear is um, your, your, your life experiences, you know, um, the life experiences of a, a maturing man, if you like. And uh, yeah. I, I think I look at, I listen to, to uh, Found My Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is that reflecting, Pete? I mean, that's, that's a man for whom fatherhood is um, number one, right? And you've got, you've got kids now in sort of two age groups, <laughs> two yeah, that's right. boys, two little girls, you know. Yeah. Is it number yeah, one, man? It's beautiful having having that, you know, having um, a relationship with older kids on a more mature level and I've still got two, uh, two, which two boys and then two young girls now who I'm just doing it all, all over again, you know. I love it. It's so nice to have little kids. Um, keeps you young. It's so beautiful, you know, like if I, if I just had the boys now and they're growing up, it's still great having the boys. But even they love the girls, you know, hanging out with them. I found my place that's all about family. You know, that's yeah. um, yeah. if you've seen the video yeah, of my, um, yeah, my wife and my daughter, Sachi, we went down. It's just all about sort of getting silhouette shots of them, just sort of having the, the family vibe in the background and, um, you know, me just playing on the beach. And it just sort of turned out that Sachi, whatever happened during part of the song when we had the song playing in the background, she just came in and started dancing. And I was just like, wow, this is so good, you know. And, and um, even Mira, my wife, I said, I thought Mira was going to say, because we were pretty cautious about what photos we put up of the girls, if, if any, you know, and, and the boys uh, on socials. I'm very, very cautious of that. Um, but I thought Mira was going to go, listen, we better cut that out. But even she was going, that is so good. We've got to put that in the video. I'm going, oh, absolutely. And it was just, it was the moment that was just perfect because it's what the song's about. Yeah. You've got your family, a family place. This is yeah. the best thing that could ever happen to you, you know. Yeah. Um, family always has to come first. It has to come first. And I think that people have put their careers first. I don't understand it, you know. Like um, it's you just miss so much. Yeah. So, you know, there's a balance and you can do both. Uh, chief and end. So as you've, yeah. as you've said, fitness and health have been priorities for you certainly ever since the tragedy that befell your dad when you were 18. Um, yep. But it seems like, if I'm reading it right, Chief and M have recently upped up the ante a little bit with with your fitness. Anyway, could could you tell us what happened? What the catalyst was? Yeah, you know what? It was just a fluke. How uh, I've, I, a couple of my friends, um, well, Jimmy Stewart, 
good mate of mine, acting mate of mine, has uh, mm. been training with them before and he and they got him onto the men's health, which I thought was great. I've always had a bit of a goal to get on the men's health, but I just didn't really, you know, I guess how do you get on there? How do you get that fit and that ripped, you know? And yeah, that's a hard thing. So I was, and I've just followed Chief uh, online because of Jimmy. And um, I saw a, uh, some training shoes that those guys had. And I, I said to Jimmy, man, what are these training shoes like? Have you tried them? He said, I don't know, I'll, just, um, I'll find out. So he just um, put me in touch with uh, M and, um, and I, um, I just ordered a pair and they're, they're fantastic shoes, you know. But anyway, they, they arrived, arrived late and M felt really bad about it. She said, look, I'm so sorry. You know, let us write you a program. I'm going, seriously, it's like there are two weeks late. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. And, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 seriously. Let's, let's try and, you know, do a program for you. And I was like, you know what? Actually, you've, you've done a couple of fellas that I know and you've got them onto men's health cover. So that's always been a bit of a goal of mine, but I've never really known how to kind of get that ripped and to get to that level or who to talk to to get on there. Getting that ripped is the hardest thing. Like, I've done how to do that. So she said, right, let's talk to Chief. So I got on the phone to the Chief and her and I said, right, let's let's set a goal. And, and Chief is like, okay, it's easy when you've got a goal to try and achieve things. Yeah. So let's do, there's a 12-week course we, we do and that's what we, we, let's have a crack at men's health to cover and see if we can get it. And I was like, okay, yep, I was totally up for it. So we, and the guys just got me on a different diet, um, which I'm still sticking to now. And um, just the training that Chief had me doing was it just different to what I'd done before, you know? And they said that most people don't last the first, first week on the diet because it's really difficult. You're just cutting out all sugars and all carbs. Yeah. And um, the food's a bit bland, you know, you kind of what you're eating. Uh, I actually quite enjoy the food the way it was, but the first week I was, and I never crave really sweet things, but I was craving Mars bars. Yeah. Like I just wanted to eat a whole bunch of Mars bars as I was so hungry for sugar. Yeah. And the first two weeks, I think it was, it was just really craving it because I normally have like honey in my coffee as well and I just had to cut it all out. But, you know, with, with that, uh, in, into about a month and I just shredded all this fat that had been kind of layering around, you know, around here. That it just I'd always worked hard in the gym. Yeah. But I wasn't getting the results. And that's when Chief said, look, it's a science to it. We do this, stick to this, stick to the diet, stick to this training, you're going to get the results. And I was like really excited about it. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I've never got the results like that before. What these guys did, and and I, and I wasn't even training with them. That's the other thing. If I had, if I could train with them, I think I'd even be, you know, a better in a better better shape. But I was doing it remotely up here in Byron, and sticking as closely as I could to the programs with with two little kids, you know, running around and trying to get that time. Sometimes I'd have to train it, you know, after I put them to bed after eight o'clock night. I'd train, then I have to eat again, and so. But I was amazed, you know, like getting six pack back again from, you know, when I was a teenager, the last time I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just how, yeah, what they do, they are exceptional. Um, really nice people. I love talking to them. I'd love to train with them in person if I could, you know, if I was down there in Sydney. Yeah. Um, they're just, you know, they're motivated people. They, they, they love this stuff. Um, not that it took that much motivation for me because I was like the opportunity that they, that they gave me was like pretty amazing and I, and I just took it with both hands and said let's, yeah, let's do it you know get it done and um, yeah the, the results were great I think in that 12 week period I'd lost 10k 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 so I went from 93 to 80 through 82 and I was thinking oh shit I've never been this light before and I actually felt a bit light even during the photo shoot I felt like I was too light I've been kind of um, I think you strip so much from the training that they do, you're just dropping all this weight. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now they're going, okay, now what you're doing now is you're going to put on lean um, muscle mass because you've lost all this weight and you'll, that's what you do. And that's what I'm starting to do now. So, yeah. you know, I mean, for me, if I could do the photos again, I'd like to because I've got yeah. a bit more, I feel like I'm a bit, bit skinny in the photos, but that's the whole idea of, I guess, in the 12-week period, that's what I did. That's where I was at. Yeah. And um, now just sort of keeping that physical fitness and that, and that um, you know, that uh, physique that, that, that they've um, helped me get is just something that I don't want to lose again. And it's just, it comes down to diet and exercise, what, what I'm doing and learn a lot from them. Yeah. I, I noticed, um, Pete, when I was researching that uh, you, you and Warnie are the same age. You, you're, 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 you're a month younger. And look, I, you'd already had, you know, the, the scare, call it what you will with, with your dad. Um, did, did Shane Warne's death touch you at all? Or make yeah, you no, it, up? anyone that's around the same age as me touches me. You know, I think it's, um, yeah. you're affected by it because you go, wow, that guy's my age. Yeah, Warnie, it was a shock, Warnie. Um, he'd achieved so much in what he'd done. I think he, he would have been happy, I'm sure, you know, like what he's achieved, he would have been, yep, I've had a pretty good time. <laughs> um, but I'm sure he would have been, I'm sure he would, if he had the choice, he'd like to still be here. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking after yeah. yourself and being aware of that, I think having, you know, maybe if my dad didn't die of a heart attack at 47, I, I might not have been, I wouldn't have been as, as concerned of my health and my heart yeah. and my body, you know. So, uh, and you know, Warnie's the same, probably smoked too much and probably didn't eat the right foods. And, yeah. um, you know, was he doing a fitness camp or something when he died? So sometimes when the guys yeah. start to get into training late and they're not aware of um, what their heart's doing, you know, what if, you know, if, they're, if they're a chance of having a heart attack, then they're really at risk of, of exercising, you know, and then you'll see a lot of guys that, that look pretty, pretty healthy, yeah. um, but they can drop dead of a heart attack. So it's understanding what, how the heart works and how that you can have a heart attack. Um, it's not just about having blockages. It's, you know, there's other things there. So, um, you know, getting that, that checked out, especially when you're getting to, to 50, because my dad always said, if you get to 50, you'll be, you'll be fine. You know, it's just, it's just kind of thing. And he, and he had a heart attack at 47. So yeah. for me, I was like, you know, for me, I'm going to get to 50 and got to 50 and, you know, now I'm 53. So I feel good. I don't feel like I'm 53. I do feel like I'm probably in my 30s. Um, yeah. I do have a lot of people say to me all the time, "Man, you don't look like you're 53." Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's that's just the, you know, eating healthy food, staying fit, surfing, you know, enjoying yourself and keeping active um, to 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 look that way. Gross. And I do see a lot of guys my age too that are a lot of guys you know, have the, the old school reunion. and You go, wow. Yeah. Some of the some of the boys have you know not looked after themselves. Yeah, Pete. Thank you so much, mate. I, it's been great talking to you. You know, all the best going forward. Great, thanks, Dan. Nice yeah, to mate. talk to you. No, great stuff. Thanks, mate. Bye. See ya. For more from Men's Health, pick up a copy of our latest issue. You can find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at menshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at menshealthau. See you next time. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.